The Raptors get to Detroit and win their seventh game in eight tries. The first four-game winning streak of the season for the Raptors. It's a final from Little Caesars Arena. Toronto 95, Detroit 91. That is Jonesy with the final call. Welcome, welcome to Raptors game night, the post-game show. Uh, so four wins in a row. Jim Taddy, Josh Lewenberg, and Warren Ward with you. Two of them against the Pistons and two of them real grinders against the Pistons. But wins are wins. I, I think, Warren, at this point, we could, and especially in this game, you really want to throw most of the numbers out because this was um, a really good performance in terms of figuring out how to, how to win and, and getting it done. And, and, and now you go on from there. Thanks. And this this game, to me, showed that the Raptors can win ugly. You know, we all want to see yeah. them score 120. We all want nine guys, you know what I mean, to score over 10-plus points. But this was essentially an ugly win. But the key things that happened in this game was they knocked down key shots, especially Gary Trent. They made their free throws, especially down the stretch. And, you know, they, they scored and defended when they had to. And I, I like I said, the game wasn't pretty. It wasn't my, my most, you know... Um, you know, beautiful performance of, you know, offensive camaraderie, but at the same time, it doesn't matter. I mean, they, they were effective and they got it done. And if, you know, if this was the playoffs today, that's a playoff game, right? Where, where things, you know, the, everything is coming, you know, difficultly, right? And, and you see so many deflections and all the loose balls that they had. I wonder how many deflections they had in this game because Detroit, after a while, they just looked like, you know, they were just chucking stuff up at the rim because the Raptors were swarming them all over the place defensively. So, all that combine that with Pascal, excuse me, Pascal Siakam's, you know, dominant performance again. Twenty, what, twenty nine points, eight rebounds, five assists, three steals, and two blocks. I mean, you know, you know, coming out of the All Star break, you don't, you expect your, you know, your big guns to perform, and I think he, you know, he he came out today and set the tone. Um, he he didn't struggle at all tonight, for sure. From from start to finish. From start to he finish, exactly. I mean, he set the tone, as Warren mentioned, but also in terms of closing this game, he scored eight of the Raptors' final ten points, of course, hit those clutch free throws towards the end of the game. And on a night where I mean, just about everyone was struggling to hit shots, nine for 19, pretty good, but also getting to the free throw line 13 times in a game, again, where scoring so hard to come by. He hit more free throws, ten of them, than the Pistons did as a team, nine of them. I mean, it goes without saying that the Raptors don't win this game without Pascal Siakam, but the Raptors don't win this game without Pascal Siakam playing as well as he did, right? Like, he had to be near perfect. He had to be brilliant in order to to carry the Raptors to a win that, as you guys mentioned, was kind of ugly when you look at the numbers. They missed 12 free throws as a team, shot 38%, 7 for 26 from 3. They were out-rebounded thoroughly, out-shot, lost the possession battle. But really, we talked about this at halftime. In a game where early start, guys had a tough time, I think, getting into rhythm. Siakam is a guy that, whether you play the game at noon, 7, 10, wake him up at 3 a.m. to play, he's ready to go, and he was ready to go today. Pertl, uh, obviously helping Siakam along the way, including a, a nice assist uh, late in the game, but but he only right. played 27 minutes, did have 14 rebounds and, and nine points, but, but, I mean, his presence is very noticeable, isn't it? Uh, listen, Teddy, he he affects the game in so many ways, and I can just go through examples. And like I said earlier in the show, uh, the main thing for me is just his ability to set screens and how much more open, um, you know, like the floor gets. Uh, and especially especially when he sets a screen and then um, he rolls, 
you can just see the like the difference offensively, and it's really helped the Raptors' half court offense. It allows more space for you know a guy like Gary Trent. It allows more space for you know. Um, Pascal and if Fred's playing, it's even better. I mean, like I can go through so many different examples of of just the little things he does. I don't care about his points. If he scores thirty, I'm happy. But the rebounding and his and, and his ability to change shots at the rim will n- never be on a stat sheet. But it it has made all the difference. Teams now have to even if a guy goes up in the air and he has to switch just a little bit, just like literally two or three degrees off, it changes the entire shot completely. And Pascal, and, excuse me, Pascal, and, and Pirtle does that on, on a good majority of the possessions. You have to think about him every time you drive, and that, that will always help your defense. Yeah, I, I mean, this wasn't his best game. He was three for eight, missed five shots. He had missed six shots combined in his first four games with the Raptors. But even with all that said, I agree with everything that Warren mentioned. He, he just finds ways to impact the game, even on a night where he's not scoring. And remember, his job is not to go in there and, and score 21 points as he did against New Orleans or 30 points like he did against Orlando. That sort of thing is gravy from Pirtle. But w- what stood out to me specifically here over these last couple games is how effective he's been down the stretch in crunch time because that was one of the questions I think after the trade is one with his lack of of range from three and and two this is probably the bigger one with his poor free throw shooting could he be on the floor late in games and I, I think you see that a lot these days in the NBA in the modern NBA with traditional big men it was an issue even back six seven years ago with Jonas Valanciunas and the Raptors obviously Dwayne Casey timely conversation with going up against Casey today it's uh, people used to get so frustrated with Dwayne Casey why isn't Jonas Valanciunas on the floor in the fourth quarter and we saw even against New Orleans uh, the other night they took JV out late in the game as well for some of those reasons we talked about defensively it's tough for bigs down there in the last few minutes when teams generally go small but uh, against New Orleans Pirtle had 10 of his 21 points in that fourth quarter grabbed a couple of huge offensive rebounds and, and tonight uh, Taddy you mentioned the pass to the cutting Pascal Siakam yeah. inside of the final two minutes he grabbed another crucial offensive rebound I, I think that was with a minute left he had what was essentially the game same saving stop on Detroit's second to final possession um, so, so that's a huge luxury to be able to have a traditional center on the floor that obviously helps you in the ways that we've talked about at length with the screening and the passing and the rim protection and all of that, but you don't have to take them off the floor when a lot of teams go small. That's made a huge difference so far. Late in games that, quite frankly, I'm not sure the Raptors would win early in the season. The game against New Orleans, the game against Detroit tonight, those were games that the Raptors were losing a few months ago, a few weeks well, ago. I, I like that pass just because it's 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 the chemistry those two guys have and how how well they know each other and when you can add that at a trade deadline I think that's nothing short of phenomenal. So the Raptors have won seven of their last eight games. They're now thirty and thirty-one, and uh, the the legitimacy of a four-game winning streak is that instead of uh, worrying about a play and you could now move up and, and maybe project them into a seven seed when all is said and done. If you want to push it, you may go a little higher. But but this is an optimistic view, isn't it, Warren? Let's go. Exactly. I yeah. like that, yeah. and I'm. Uh, Seven isn't good enough. We're going for sixth. We're going for sixth. We need to we need to move up the ranks and be where I think the majority of us would have assumed the Raptors could and should be. You know what? When the season had started, I, I gave this team a, a good fifth in the East, and hopefully that's still attainable. But I, I, w- I would optimistically say 
currently right now, I don't think they should settle for anything less than six. And I think they deserve it. I mean, we've, we've seen the struggles. We've seen the inconsistencies throughout the team. But this is the first point of the season with, what, 20-something games left to go where the Raptors have a healthy lineup where, you know, the majority of the team is back. So I, I'm, I can't wait to see when they put it all together. And the addition of Jakob Pertl has been, um, you know, nothing, you know, nothing short of phenomenal. And, um, you know, to your point about that pass earlier, I just wanted to, you know, point out the fact that I think a good sign of a real good basketball player, especially one of a superstar level, is the willingness to let other guys make plays. And that pass, I think Pascal could have ran right to Pirtle, took the ball, and maybe took a more difficult shot. But instead, he cut to the rim, which is the harder thing to do. It's, it's the more intelligent thing to do and allowed, and allowed Pirtle to then make him better, right? So that's the sign of a leader. That's a sign of a team that is gelling together at the right time. And we're going to need more of that moving forward so that we can get to sixth and fifth and potentially even higher. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, sixth or higher has to be the goal here, obviously, avoiding the play-in tournament. That's what every team right now in this play-in mix is shooting for. But climbing the standings, I mean, to, to any degree would be beneficial from where the Raptors were a few days ago. Remember, the Raptors up until recently were 10th place. They've now climbed Washington for ninth. But at 10th, you would have to survive a couple of must-win play-in games, both of them on the road, just for the right to make the playoffs and, and face the number one seed in the first round. You climb to ninth, and all of a sudden, okay, well, you, you now host that play in at least one or you would host one of the two play in games you'd still have to win both and then you climb to eight or seven you're now in a situation where you only have to win one game and you have two chances to make the playoffs and obviously sixth would be the ideal position so at this point you're just trying to string together wins there's no such thing as a bad win at this point of the season but listen it's going to be tough I mean, right now, the Raptors are four games behind New York for sixth. At the Knicks' current pace, the Raptors would have to go, I think it's 15 and six over their final 21 games in order to catch New York. And that's also it. assuming that, that's also assuming that the teams between them, Atlanta and Miami, don't also get hot. So it's tough, but it's doable. And as Warren was saying, there are a lot of reasons for optimism right now. For me, I would say I'm in the cautious optimism stage where, yeah, the Raptors have finally won four games in a row. First time all season, they've won seven of eight games, but five of those seven wins have come against bottom five teams. Another against a Memphis team missing three starters. I will reiterate, no such thing as a bad win. You've got to win those games, but let's see if they can keep this going here because the schedule is about to get tougher. They're in Cleveland tomorrow against a very tough Cavs team with a chance to get back to 500 for the first time since December 9th. So they've got to build on this and get better as the season uh, prolongs and as the schedule gets tougher. Yeah, grueling is the schedule. I mean, as you say, tomorrow night in Cleveland, come home for a game against Chicago and then split for five on the road, starting with two uh, in Washington. So, you know, obviously they can take care of business, but it's not going to be easy. I'm just, you know, when we look at this, we've talked a lot about Pirtle for obvious reasons, but I think overall, and he might be part of it, the team defense has really been good in this stretch too, hasn't it? It has, and I think Jakob Pirtle has has influenced that. But if I look at the teams that have made changes – 
you know, at the trade deadline. Miami's a different team than they were when they started the season. Uh, New York, I expect them to be the Knicks. <laughs> I don't mean no disrespect to the Knicks, but I expect them to be like that. Atlanta, not too concerned about, you know, they, they got two really good players. The rest of those guys are young. I'm taking the Raptors roster, and I, I really think they have a chance to at least get seventh, potentially six, regardless of whether they need to go 15 or six. So I'm in the optimism bus because I feel like this roster, they have depth. They can defend. They can defend really good wings. And then now we have a solid a solid rim protector who is rebounding. So all of that combined, I think defensively and offensively, the Raptors have what it takes to make a move. Now, obviously, Josh, a lot of things have to go their way. But I'm going to sit in the optimism van. And I hope I, I, left, I left two seats open for you guys. If you guys want to cop in the van <laughs> with me, you're more than welcome to go. <laughs> I've got one foot in, in one the foot water in? right now. Maybe one, one toe, a couple toes in the water. Well, you, you can, can take an Uber there. then. You could take an Uber. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, listen, there, there's obvious reasons for optimism here coming out of the break, even going back further than that, coming out of the trade deadline. I think the, the Pirtle acquisition, in addition to the tangible ways in which it makes the Raptors better, we've talked about those at length. I, I think a lot of the time just making a move, a, a bit of a change, bringing in a new body, obviously in the case of the Raptors, like they've needed a center for a long time. The team has known that. Nick Nurse has talked about it. The players have talked about it. For Masai and company to go out and do it, I feel like that just gives you a bit of an emotional lift that this team has desperately needed. The vibes for most of this year have not been good. They've been much better recently, and obviously the results have a lot to do with that. The wins matter, but I just think it's it's a you got to look at the big picture. Taddy mentioned the defense. It's been much better. They've been playing harder. They've been playing better. I think, first of all, they're, they're healthier than they've been in a while. Fred Van Vliet should be back in the next few days. The Raptors, with the exception of Otto Porter Jr., who obviously isn't walking through that door anytime soon, they're going to be at full strength. With the addition of Pirtle, this is as deep as they've been in a long time. They no longer have that glaring hole at the five position. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think things are, are definitely looking up here. And the guys mentioned this earlier on the broadcast, too, is that, like, the Raptors are, are not a team that anyone is going to want to face right. at the end of the season in the playoffs, just based on the roster alone and what they're capable of when you look at this team on paper. But certainly, if they're the team, the team that goes into the playoffs or the play-in or whatever it is at the end of the season playing really well, the team with momentum is always, always, always a dangerous one. And if it just so happens to be the team that has that potential has that upside and the ceiling and the talent that the Raptors do that's a dangerous combination so yeah I'm going to be really interested here over the next few weeks to see if they can keep this going and specifically tomorrow that's a game to watch on the second night of a back-to-back against the Cavs let's see if the Raptors can build off of this and I'll say this they've got to play a whole lot better than they did today in order to win tomorrow all I'm going to say about the optimism van, Warren, is that normally I like to drive, but in this particular case, I'll go along for the ride. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm okay. driving. I'm driving. Josh, okay, that's a seatbelt we'll start. Let's Uber. go. <laughs> okay. 95-91 was the final score for the Raptors over the Pistons today. This is Raptors Game Day on TSN 1050. Raptors game day, the postgame show, 95-91. The Raptors win in Detroit. It was a grinder, and here's Nurse and the Raptors grinding out the victory. It was one of those games where it was physical, um, one of those where we got some chances, I thought, uh, at the basket and probably didn't um, play through enough of the contact. And, and just give them credit. They play, you know, they play handsy and body 
and and tough, and they don't like give much up at the basket. So, um, we made some good plays down the stretch, some good uh, back cuts and things like that. You know, playing through Yak a little bit, and and um, finally kind of beating the overplaying there just a little bit, and then we. I certainly made enough. I mean, our defense was really good. We had we had a stretch of a few transition buckets again, right? But other than that, in the half court, it was pretty tough. The, uh, those two buckets Pascal get cutting off of Yak are those called from the sidelines or those? Well, it's a, it's a it's a set. I mean, I mean, it's a set that we're running where we're hitting them and we're we're looking for some. You know, we've spaced the floor and we're looking for some some cutting on that. So it's. You know, relatively new to us um, since Yach just got here, um, but it's really important. And kind of what you were saying before the game about how he can find ways to make guys better, even though his numbers aren't. Yeah, crazy. and he's a, he's a really good. I mean, he's got great size, so he can see over the top if they're not playing a you know a, a center his size. He can see over the top and pass. And he's a really good passer, and and he's put most of those right on the right on the money to those guys for for good good looks. Coach, you've won seven of the last eight games now. Um, what's been working? Uh, I mean, listen, we're just we're playing pretty solidly at the defensive end. I think with some intensity and some disruptiveness, like we want to. Um, and and again, it was not a great offensive night. We didn't shoot it very well. We didn't finish very well. We didn't shoot free throws very well. But I liked how we played. Right, I thought we were getting the ball to where. It, where it should go almost, you know, like 90% of the possessions. There was only one or or one, five or six probably where I would have said maybe maybe one more action before we looked at it. And um, so that's it, man. You got you to gotta guard and you got to kind of keep executing. You're you know, trying to create the right shots. And, and when you guard really good, when you don't make them, you still have a chance. And we snuck one out today. They certainly did. That's Nick Nurse. I, I like what he said about uh, with the game on the line, how they executed. I mean, that was the key to it, wasn't it, Warren? Exactly. And I, I think the last thing he said there was that, you know, they didn't shoot it well. They didn't really do a lot of the things offensively, but he liked how they played overall. And that that is a, that's a real sentiment to, you know, um, I think to what I was saying earlier about, the, you know, you got to be able to win the games that aren't pretty. You know, where things aren't aren't always going your way and, and in basketball you're bound to miss, right? So this was one of those games and they took the ugliness and you know what, found a way to you know, get a win and, and playing the game the right way overall, regardless of if the ball's going in the rim or not, that's gonna make any coach happy and you know, we're we're seeing Nick Nurse um, you know, relish uh in that. Players hate these early starts, and you can see why it, it, with a game like today, is, as we've talked about at length, not, not pretty by any means. I, I don't know why they're so bad, right? Like for us, not so bad, right? We're, it's almost 3 o'clock, and, and we're almost done. So for, for our selfish purposes, I, I think I'd be down for, for more noon starts. But, yeah, I mean, listen, as, as athletes, athletes are, are human beings, right? We're all creatures of habit and routine, and, and it changes things up when you have to lace them up early in the day. Um, but it, it's – a good thing, I guess, on a back-to-back as well is now the Raps have a little bit more time to get to Cleveland, rest up, and as we talked about, a big one tomorrow for sure. Yeah, it's not a long excursion to get from Detroit to Cleveland, but point made there for sure. And and so we, we leave this uh, – we're optimistic, right? All three of us are fairly optimistic <laughs> with this? Cautiously optimistic. 
Yeah, okay, I like that. <laughs> Captain Generosity just came in the room, and he said, you guys can have the rest of the afternoon Oh, off. look at that. <laughs> I love it. They should all be noon starts. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, Josh. I'm with you. I, okay. I like the noon start. The players uh, hey, will get used to it. They will, and, and, and we're already accustomed to it one game in. We are fast. Thanks very much, guys. 95-91, the final for the Raptors over the Pistons.